Hey, guys. Huh. Check this out. And welcome to Check This Out, a podcast where we take an analytical view of the media that appeals to us as individuals and why. I am Elle, your host, and with me today is special guest and nemesis of the show, Sean. Uh, if you would, please introduce yourself and tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, hi, my name is Sean. Uh, this is, uh, uh, as you've noted, Elle, the second time I've been here to t- uh, torture you again with more homework. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, I'm I'm a librarian from uh, Sydney. Uh, recommending stuff is something that you know you do as a librarian. So uh, this is just another day. Uh, but but I don't normally get to recommend stuff like this. So this and is you're fun. not getting paid. Uh, and I'm not getting paid. My first job was my first job ever was uh, was volu- was voluntary. So eh, it's not that different. Yeah, sorry that the, you have to find out now, but you're you're here now, so deal with it. Oh no, I remember the shock after the first episode. <laughs> yeah, and yet well, I came I mean, back. And yet yeah, I came I back. Would gladly pay people if people listened to our ad sponsors and recommended to buy all their products. I'm just the saying. army and that casino keep offering. Yeah, but uh, you know, I don't like how they look at me. I mean, you shouldn't look like how the army looks at you. That's kind of the point. Yeah, it's a personal thing. Anyway, anyway you're bringing something to the table that you enjoy and are passionate yeah. about. Uh, could you talk a little bit about it in your own words? Yes. So uh, I'm bringing uh, an album for you to uh, listen to today. Ooh. And uh, I... I I'm bringing a very particular one because we often talk about characters and plots, etc. Because there's a lot of narrative content on this podcast, and so I was wondering, oh, how am I going to recommend an album to you? And then I thought, wait a minute, I'm going to recommend uh, the 1999 uh, studio release from Prince Paul, "A Prince Among Thieves." which is a concept album and a hip-hop opera. So this is both a narrative work and a an album. A hip-hop opera, if you will. I deliberately avoided saying that. And yet, here we are. That's on you, not me. Uh, cool. So I have my prepared list of questions that are designed to delve a bit deeper into that enjoyment of yours, if that's all right. Yep, absolutely. Let's go. So, question one. Imagine I was someone that's been recently awoken from a coma, or resurrected from being frozen in ice, or even an inanimate object gifted knowledge of modern times and sentience. Essentially, I know what media is, but I have never experienced any. How would you explain Prince of Thieves without comparing it to something that I just wouldn't know? All right. So, um... Obviously, with any music, like, there's traditions in music. So I'm going to assume that even if you are not familiar with any particular works of hip-hop, if I say what hip-hop is, it's going to be something that you're like, yeah, the, you know, kind of uh, mostly spoken word, rhythmically over music, that you're going to understand that. Yeah, that uh, bony part 
Move your leg, yep. So cool. Uh, I need to explain hip hop. I'm going to refuse <laughs> to do that. Uh, and instead, I'm going to, uh, I am going to explain to my hypothetically frozen caveman lawyer, uh, new music appreciator. Uh, but I am going to uh, explain principle because I think understanding who principle is, is a, is a really big part of understanding this album uh prince paul is a hip-hop producer so he's the guy who actually makes like the backing tracks for them um and he's uh he's kind of incredible he's uh one of those figures who's just a bit of a titan uh of the the industry behind the scenes i heard i saw one person say he's the most underrated legend of hip-hop history um and yeah, he grew up in New York. Uh, he was like doing DJ sets by the time that he was fourteen. Uh, incredibly talented from a from a very early age, and he gets he gets his start with a band called De La Soul. And De La Soul are kind of a really fascinating group. They're, uh, they're they like start in the late nineteen eighties, but they're they're mostly associated with the the nineties. Um, and they kind of loosely fall into what's often called alternative hip hop, um, trying to to push the boundaries of what can be done. Uh, they have a very playful sensibility. There's a lot of jokes. They start. They put. They throw skits into their albums, uh, which becomes a bit of a Prince Paul trademark. And you can see kind of maybe why I'm having to say we have to talk about this because that reaches its apotheosis when he do- decides, hey, let's just let the sketches take over the whole thing and turn it into a full fledged opera. Yeah, that's um, just leading right in. Yeah, he's he's going right through. Um, and he does a bunch of other stuff. Like, I'm not even going to get into to all of the stuff he's done. He has done an astonishing amount of work. But he gets dropped from one of the De La Soul albums. They just decide they want to go in a different direction. Uh, he, he actually does some other stuff beforehand, but he's kind of... He's a bit lost. He, uh, his, his projects aren't working very well. Um, they're not being critically well received or financially successful. And he kind of feels my career is done. You know, like I'm, I'm finished. Uh, this is the point where I just declare fine. It's time for me to end it. And so he decides to put together an album that he figures he might as well make as his last ever album because Damn it, no one's going to hire him again after this one. And it's called Psychoanalysis, What Is It? And it's a hard listen. It's, I, I've, I have listened to it. I don't recommend it. Uh, but it is, it is a hard listen. It's very dark. Uh, it's coming from a very dark place. Uh, it's got beats that don't flow well musically for the most part. Um, it's... Uh, kind of this uh loosely hip-hop very trancey uh kind of uh combination of those genres um album which is really him just letting out all of his darkest stuff um and while it is he is mostly a producer on it 
um, you know, like, so he's got uh, rappers in, you know, doing the words. It's very clearly his, and it's very clearly about him feeling like at a very young age he has failed. Anyway, that album was incredibly, uh, incredibly financially ruinous, as you would expect with that description, but it actually got praise. Um, it got genuine uh, critical reception that was really well regarded, that admired its adventurousness, that admired its uh, its experimental uh, aspects. Um, and I think it's at about this time, that I think it's with that one, I could be wrong, it could have happened before, that uh, Chris Rock, the comedian, notices him and uh, is like, hey, why don't you uh, produce my comedy albums? And he goes and he does that. And they win a bunch of Grammys uh, for yeah, Best Comedy as, Album. As, as you do. As you do. And and it's worth noting, like, I haven't listened to these. I can't speak to it. But from what I understand of them, uh, they are not your typical comedy album. They are not just like, hey, let's, let's plonk in an intro track and then let's uh, record the monologues and then finish it up. Like, uh, there's a lot of sound work and a lot of uh, soundscapes. And, you know, the production is really interesting on it and it gets a lot of critical praise and so with that with all that as kind of the the follow the lead up to this you know like the the sketches already being a big part of his thing uh him branching out from music and really wanting to stretch himself he finally has enough clout to pitch a concept album called a prince among thieves that will be a full-fledged rap opera every uh every rapper on it will be playing a particular character they will recur throughout various songs playing that character as it goes on um and the whole thing will tell a single coherent narrative and the basic idea of that narrative is uh is pretty basic like he was shooting for kind of a b-movie uh you know, uh, crime and drug story uh, thing, because he wanted to keep, I, I assume, he wanted to keep the story basic so that the rapping could then play over it. Um, and the story is that there's uh, this uh, rapper named uh, Tariq, uh, who's played by a rapper named uh, Breezley Bruin, um, by the way, I should mention both of the leads were kind of uh, chosen uh, as uh, fairly unknown rappers, uh, whereas uh, more well-known names uh, kind of played the other parts um, to uh, to to let them kind of come in. That being said, he tried to get some of the bigger names, like the big names in hip-hop, and he just could not get any of them. Uh, mm. a, the story goes, he was about to fly out to try and get, uh, to try and get uh, Notorious B.I.G. So yeah, the idea was that he was, uh, he would have two fairly unknown uh, rappers. Breezley Bruin and uh, a rapper named uh, Big Shaw, 
and they would be the two leads of the story. Uh, since they were fairly unknown, it would mean that they could kind of embody the characters. And then he would have bigger names fill in all of the other roles. But, you know, he was apparently about to fly out to New York to try and get uh, the notorious B.I.G. Uh, to play one of the parts. I'm pretty sure I know which part, too. Um but uh, apparently he got the word that uh, that uh, Biggie Smalls had been shot that day, literally as he was about to go to the airport. Uh, so, you know, that didn't come through. And he didn't get any really truly huge names on the album. They're all kind of mid-tier rappers who he had worked with in the past, but bigger and names. Did they go on to do anything after this, or is this about the, the climax for them? Uh, for for these rappers, oh the the you know the the uh, oh the uh, the two leads. Uh, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. I uh, I haven't uh, tracked their careers uh, afterwards. So maybe yeah, it's like I, I can't I remember the name know. of the the main guy, but this backup guy is some Snoop Dogg thing. I don't know. <laughs> Nothing that big. Snoop Dogg would also be big. It's guys like uh, probably the 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 name I had heard uh, before it was uh, Biz Marquee. Uh, who that's probably the uh, one of the bigger names on there. Uh, cool Keith uh, was on there. Big Daddy Kane, uh, Everlast uh, Exhibit was on there as well. Uh, you know, there's some names that I had heard of from other things, but I mean, I'd heard of Exhibit from Pimp My Ride, not from his rapping. Uh, so you know, that tells you how white I am as well. Uh, but anyway, uh, so the whole point is, yeah. So you've got this. Kid named Tariq, he's a rapper, and he is trying to audition to uh, to join uh, the Wu-Tang Clan, and he's putting together a demo tape, uh, and he needs some money to finish up this demo tape. So he talks to his friend True, uh, who is played by Big Shaw, and says, hey, can I, can I borrow some money from you? And his response is, "Look, I'm not I'm not lending you money, but like, let me uh, let me introduce you to my drug dealing contacts, and you do some drug dealing for a couple of days to get this money. And from that, there's betrayal. There's the police get involved, and you know, it's a crime story." Uh, you know, this kid who wanted to just get some money to try and put together a demo, and winds up falling down this rabbit hole of crime. And yeah, that's basically the story of it. Uh, and this is all told through various songs. Uh, I, I will note, like I said, the idea is that people recur and they come back. There's really only, I would say, three characters who like properly recur, um, which would be uh, Tariq, True, and uh officer uh, hold on officer let me get this name right because you'll see why uh officer o'malley bitchkowski which i particularly love for having both an irish name and a polish name in there just to hit every cop stereotype yeah, you know uh, hyphenated you don't take the husband's name no no, it's no, a, no no it's a really common thing no it's actually like o'malley is apparently his first name Huh. <laughs> they, you can see the sense of humor, like that is underpinning this. They, they are not playing this deadly straight. Um, but yeah, 
and that is the that's the idea of it the the story has some twists and some turns i'm pretty sure if you know anything about any crime drama ever which we've established caveman lawyer you don't um that you'll be able to pick the twists um well big and scary Yep. You'll be able to pick the twists uh, and the story. It's not the most complex story ever, but it's just such a unique way to tell tell the tale. Hmm. I mean, it's, so far, it's at least interesting. Hmm. Uh, question two. Hypothetically, our positions are reversed, and I'm guesting on your immensely popular and award-winning podcast... And I've just answered the previous question with your response verbatim. What stood out to you the most? Uh, I think it's going to be the, the fairly obvious thing. Hip-hop. hip. You made me say it this time. Uh, hip-hop opera. Like, it's such a <laughs> weird thing to say there. And it, it feels, in a way, almost a little less weird in a post-Hamilton world. You know, like, we've had a, a big Broadway hip-hop uh, musical uh, now. Um, and it, I should it, mention, like I've been saying hip hop opera, it is, it is a musical format. There are sketches and then there are songs and then there are sketches and then there are songs. Um, but it's nonetheless from, for this to happen in 1999, that's kind of astonishing that this happened at all. And I think that's the thing. It's not, it's not any of the names except for Prince Paul himself. Uh, he's kind of a big deal, uh, to me. Um, it's not any of the names behind it or anything else. It's just, well, how does that work? Does it work? And my answer would be, yeah, mostly. It's got some problems. We'll talk about those, I'm sure. Uh, Out of curiosity, I just uh, had to look it up. Uh, The Tenacious D self-titled album was 2001. Because they also did a similar thing where they had like a little bit of a sketch before the song and then the song. Yeah, sketches, mm. I think sketches before songs, and I mean, that's pretty com- That's not uncommon for comedy albums. I think that's kind of one of the things. Like, I mean, I've said they, they don't play it entirely straight. I mean, for goodness sakes, Chris Rock, they got, like, and because he had the co- contact with Chris Rock, Chris Rock plays uh, a character in one of the sketches. So, of course, he's doing uh, some, some fairly filthy comedy uh, on that one. Um, but for the most part, they are shooting for drama rather than for comedy. And that does, you know, that is kind of unique. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but like I said, doing sketches, De La Soul were doing sketches before this. Uh, and Prince Paul has kind of worked sketches into almost every project I think he's ever done. Yeah, and that reminds me, I had a little bit of a thought. It's like uh, he's uh, he's one of the people that are known for working behind the scenes. Yeah. Thing. Like as the, like, I mean, theoretically, you've got um, Paul McCartney who's like, oh, yeah, no, he wrote all the songs for all these famous acts and he, he's uh, partially responsible for everyone hating Christmas. And, <laughs> you know, all these little bits. But it's like, well, yes, but he also like was a, a front face yeah but yeah, apparently uh, prince paul was uh the just the backstage guy or until did he until have that so, yeah public? like he has he's known he was known to people certainly like i mean i think his his influence on dealer soul is kind of celebrated as well 
Um, but it's like it's worth noting he has been in the business since the mid nineties. Uh, sorry, the the late eighties. He has been in the business since the late eighties. Uh, he has uh, somewhere between three and five solo albums, depending on how you count. You know, like his name isn't a thing that he trades on as like the front of the thing. Like you won't generally see his name on the cover. Um, but at the same time, he's got his, you know, uh, if, if you know of him, you know to kind of seek him out uh, because he does persistently interesting things. But it is usually going to be for other people. Yeah, but I but that's what I mean. It's not like this is his first time in in the spotlight, so to speak. Well, this is this is his second time. Like I said, there was Psychoanalysis, and then yeah. this was his second solo album. Uh, I will talk later about the fact that he did one other album, kind of in this trilogy, uh, more or less. That were, was kind of his solo album, big hits, uh, and it was a very different beast, a very different beast. Yeah. Well, uh, in the interest of getting further in, mm-hmm. uh, question three. So obviously we can tell that this is something that you do care about, but mm. what got you to give it a chance in the first place? All right. So talking about other stuff that he did later on, one of the one of the projects that he did in the 2000s or 2010s, I think it was 2000s, uh, was a project called Handsome Boys Modeling School. Uh, sorry, Handsome Boy Modeling School. No S. Uh, and he did that with another producer called Dan the Automator. Uh, and this was a more conventional musical arrangement. And in fact, I, I like shooting ahead to another question. When we ask, uh, you know, what would I recommend? Uh, that you follow after this. One of the big things I would recommend is the uh, stuff by Handsome Boy Modeling School, uh, which I really like. And one person who apparently liked it was Tim Freeman of the Whitlams, because he made one of the tracks off their first album, So How's Your Girl, their setup track. So like when they were coming out on stage before, you know, before the band would show up, they'd start playing this track from uh, from Handsome Boy Modeling School. And I heard it, and I was like, this is really funky. What, the, what on earth is this? This is really cool. And so I had to track it down. I had to find out what was this, what was this track from. Uh, and that got me to the album, and I really liked it. And then that got me to Prince Paul and Dan the Automator. Uh, by the way, Dan the Automator, you probably best know him, because uh, he was one of the guys who created uh, Gorillaz. Uh, if you know that band, the uh, animated uh, band, uh, who did of that. them, you know, you know of them. No, look, but that's the thing. Like uh, Dan, the Automator's had significantly more high-profile success uh, in a lot of ways, uh, and I think he has kind of better commercial instincts than Prince Paul generally does, um, which I think is kind of why Handsome Boy Modeling School is something that I learned about uh, earlier. Um, but yeah, I got fascinated, and I needed to find out more about them, and that led me to discovering Prince Paul's solo albums. And of the three, the most interesting by far was uh, A Prince Among Thieves, which I had to track down, and I listened to it, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, so that was what got me to try it. It was Prince Paul himself, and 
uh, learning about him via his later projects. Hmm. And yeah, just the the Whitlam's being someone that we both know at least of. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, the the little the little worlds that build. Look, I mean. I think I think this is true for for most musicians that I have met, uh, which is it's very rare for musicians to have particularly narrow tastes in music themselves, because any musician worth their salt is going to be trying to learn more and more uh, stuff from you know from all over the place. Um, and so it's it's not that uncommon. I, I know uh, my brother used to be in a band, which is very small scale by comparison, but, you know, uh, and they would be going out and playing like heavy metal, which was, you know, what they did. And then they would be like, oh, that's done. Uh, hey, you want to put on, uh, you know, uh, Coltrane, listen to some jazz on the way home? Yeah, I could use that. Let's put on some jazz, you know, and they would just, you know, completely different genre uh, and, you know, loved all this different kind of stuff. So. I don't think it's that weird. I think it's pretty it's pretty common for that kind of stuff to I happen. Mean, like I know I've gotten a bit like teased, not really, but for having like that sort of broad taste in music, mm. uh, just because it's like oh, it, oh, there's no commonality here. How do you like? How do you find it? It's just like oh, just use the, just it is you, it's a it's eclectic. That's the thing, and yeah. uh, and I think an eclectic taste is a good thing. And so. I mean, even like with uh, like a, a lot of authors will say, "What like what's the best advice you can give for writing?" It's like, well, read, read yeah. like anything and everything, because the wider your knowledge base and like taking in these different styles and tastes, the better your writing will be. Yeah, absolutely, a hundred percent true. Um, so, yeah, just having differences of opinion sometimes yeah Yeah. absolutely uh question four for Mm -hmm. some people a a sense of community and like-mindedness are integral to their enjoyment of something uh to your knowledge is there a community around prince of thieves that you're aware of and this so what do they like (laughs) look this one's going to be uh pretty brief none that i am aware of i don't think that (laughs) I don't think that Prince Paul uh, or this album in particular. I mean, for a start, it's really weird for an album to have a fan base. You know, a band um, to have a fan base, sure, but an album, no. Um, but I also don't know that Prince Paul has like a dedicated cadre of fans um, who like him above all else. Like, you know. Again, part of it is that he's more of a behind-the-scenes guy rather than a, a front-facing guy uh, in a lot of ways. Um, but I think that there's a a cadre of hip-hop fans who think of him as one of the more important figures. I think because his solo efforts and his, you know, his uh, his kind of stuff he's put his name on has been commercially pretty bad across the board. None of these albums sold well. Um, Prince of, Prince Among Thieves has kind of had a long tail, so it's it's sold well in the long in the long run. Um, but you know, none of them have had big releases that you get this kind of cult following kind of aspect to it. But I also don't know, like, 
I don't think there's any places where they hang out other than just like the usual, you know, rap appreciation communities. Um, for the most part, it's just that they're going to be there thinking like, Hey man, this guy's really cool. Um, you know, I can't wait to find out what he does next, but I don't think there's like a, a big community. Mm. It, it's not the, the type of community that it fosters that would be evangelizing and like, <laughs> promoting it as much. I, I hate to go to this stereotype, but it is the, you know, the obvious one to go to, uh, you know, this isn't like, uh, this isn't like uh, K-pop groups or something like that, where you've got this really intense, you know, focus on this one band uh, that the fan base have um, very frequently, you know, like uh, you do get that with, uh, and pop stars in general, there's no, you know, like Lady Gaga has the little monsters, um, you know, these fan bases who have like unique names. I don't know of anything like that for principle. Yeah. And there's not even like the, the reverse of that. Like for example, Nickelback, it's just like everyone <laughs> the hates just- them hates them even if they like them it's fun to hate them in a joke it's just something that exists completely off topic but just got it did you on this show oh yeah i know uh, scream two. We'll, we'll talk about scream 2 in a moment um but the <laughs> uh do you know of the youtube channel uh uh there i ruined it no, it vaguely rings he, a bell, but he he does he does he does sound clown, uh, you know, really offensive mashups to just have music people who love music, the kind of thing that will gl- get them glaring at him. Like, why would you do this to such a great song? Why would you do this? Uh, kind of stuff. Kind and, of like uh, Neil Cicerego. Neil Cicerega is very sound clown at his worst. I like this mm. is the one difference. I would say that there I ruined it is very sound clown at his best, whereas I would say Neil Cicerega is very sound clown at his worst. Uh, at his best, I think Neil Cicerega just makes genuinely really listenable, fantastic stuff that happens to be slightly humorous. This is the kind of stuff like on his very early albums that uh or like on mouth sounds uh where he's very clearly trolling by just making the the track at all um but he did one recently which was nickelback and ray charles and he retitled the video because it came up there i ruined it and then it came in oops i like it (laughs) (laughs) and uh someone in the comments beautifully said admit it you took this one just so that you could use the blind man joke and then it was too strong and he he didn't comment back, but he liked that one particular comment. And I'm like, yeah, you felt you thought of the gag, and you didn't realize the songs would work together that well. It, so it, it's like the the meme of like, oh, thanks, I hate it. But then the opposite of that is that yeah. unfortunately, I love it. Yeah, it, exactly. It was an unfortunately, I love it. Uh, anyway, scream two, scream two, scream two. Uh, what was the next question? Uh, question five. Yeah. There are many aspects of media that resonate differently with different people. What is your favorite part? Uh, okay. I'm going to have to say that my favorite uh, part of uh, of this particular album, and I'm thinking through it like in my head a bit, um, probably my favorite track 
which I guess is kind of the, you know, the way I'm going to approach this is to think about my favorite track. Uh, my favorite track is probably uh, one called uh, Weapon World. No, no, Weapon World is very good. That's called Keith's track. But no, I'm actually going to say my favorite track is one called The Other Line. And I like this one in particular because I think it is the best example of how the the, the rap opera style works. Like of all the tracks, this is the one where it all clicks, where it all it you you get the sense of this was what Prince Paul intended when he had this. And the premise of the other line is that Tariq has agreed to do the drug dealing and is having to call out of work. And so that he doesn't give himself away, he's calling up his girlfriend to have her call in for him. And she's no idiot. She has a sense something is wrong, and she is absolutely uh, ripping into him as this goes on. Um and I'll, I, I, we can't use too many line. We can't use too many actual uh, descriptions. Uh, or like we can't even read enough too many lyrics without breaking uh, copyright uh, issues. But uh, I'll see if I can just find uh, the uh, just the uh, some of the lines for it to give you an idea of just how good it sounds. So here's uh, some of the lines which are in there, just like the the very start, uh, right near the start of it. State your claim, rather state your game. Having fucking fun? What I done? You sort of grimy. From caller ID, you if true. Shit, no surprise. So give me the lies. What's the new shit? His grandmother died again? Give my love. You got in an accident? Oh my God, are you okay? You got abducted on some X-Files shit from out above? Whatever the fuck, I ain't calling your job. Nope, no way. It's this thing where like the two of them are talking on this phone call where the lines are coming through, they're really fun and creative, that. I love that you got abducted on some X-Files shit line, you know? Like, uh, also, his grandmother died again, give my love. You know, like, it's these terrific, really fun, very precise lines. Uh, but it is a full-fledged conversation between the two of them. And then, just to add a little bit more spice to it as well, the reason it's called The Other Line is that True, who is already a drug dealer, keeps getting people calling his phone who are calling him up and it's ex-girlfriends who are really mad at him it's uh clients who are you know haranguing him and trying to uh to get him to to return his calls uh you know it's all of these things that should be tipping off Tariq this is a bad idea I shouldn't be doing this and Tariq sails right past them and goes on his way. And it's fantastic. Um, it's just such a creative, clever song. The the flow from everyone is fantastic. Um, uh, the, uh, the rapper uh, Heroin uh plays uh plays tammy uh Tariq's girlfriend and uh she is clearly having a ton of fun with it uh it's it's just a great song uh and i 
think that while Weapon World is my favorite track to just listen to generally, uh, it's because just the flow is incredible. Cool Keith is the, the rapper on that one. And it's literally just Cool Keith reciting the names of various weapons, like various guns, and just getting this flow of talking about all these different guns. Um, Italian forged broadsword. Look, it's <laughs> you're joking, but it's not that far from it. Like it's it's literally just him reading out the names of weapons. Uh, you know. Um, oh god! Please tell me that one of them is armbar. No, no, there is no armbar. But you know. Ah. Uh, but you know, it's things like uh, Remington eight seventy for the pedigree, nighttime militant mask fueled with laser gas, atomic ACP thirty rounds, American slugs with bugs undefeatable, Navy systems. It's this, you know, real uh, rattle off, uh, you know, discussion of it. And of course, he's playing a, a, a gun dealer, so that's why you know he's there trying to give them the sales pitch. You want to buy this stuff. Um, and that's great. And don't get me wrong, I love it. I think uh, Cool Keith did a great job with uh, with the part. But at the same time, that is one guy doing one track as a monologue, which is neat. But it is more t- it is more typical of a conventional rap track, I would argue. Whereas I would say that, um, and the reason why it's my favorite, the other line feels like something I could imagine on stage. You know, it is the kind of thing where I can imagine everyone having their parts, acting it out as they go, you know, having two people on phones either side of the stage and then people popping in from off stage to to call in uh, as the other line comes in. I could see it. Uh, and it's just a lot of fun. And, like, just people lined up around the block, like Hamilton-esque. Look, I think I I get the feeling. Okay, so here's here's where I take a little digression, but a digression into the thing. Uh, there is a there is a, a movie trailer for this album, like with with the the rappers in it and it all looking like it was an actual film. Uh, that's because it was originally intended as a film. Uh, they originally intended uh, principal wanted it to be a movie, uh, and it just it never happened. Um, you know, like the amount of money it would take, uh, to make that happen was too much, uh, and it never got, never happened. So it was just an album. Um, but I definitely get the sense that if they had done it, it would have been very indie, very low budget, uh, very grimy. You wouldn't have been able to have a lot of extras. Hmm. And yeah, like you said, it's like that sort of smaller audience to begin with. Yeah, like, I mean, not not tiny. I want to be clear about this. Prince Paul is a big enough name that he was doing this through big labels. Uh, this was uh, Warner Brothers uh, released this album uh, with via the Tommy Boy label. Um, so, you know, like, this got a, a major release. But it also wasn't a huge seller. So don't think of this as, like, some tiny indie thing. It's not an indie thing. Uh, this was, uh, this was the, the, uh, you know, music, uh, equivalent of a, of a, a, uh, a double A release at the least. No, I mean, it's Warner Brothers. It's a triple A release. Um, but it was a, but it was, uh, not a huge success for them. 
that's uh, that's the the better way to think of it. Yeah, well, fair enough. Uh, question six. Mm-hmm. Following on from the previous question, what do you think would appeal most to the general public? I, <laughs> I mean, I think we just talked about how yeah. little it sold. So uh, yeah, uh, the yeah. question is, did, did, would it? Um, look, I think the, I think to the general public, the thing that. Um, so, okay, I guess there's kind of two general publics that we're talking about here, right? You've got your your hip-hop fan base who who are there, who probably do recognize a lot of the names. There is probably an appeal to some degree for people who, um, you know, are, are fans and would recognize names like Big Daddy Kane, like Chub Rock, um, like Everlast, like, uh, um, uh, like Biz Marquis. Um, you know, uh, who would be like, Hey, yeah, all on one album. That's cool. Um, and then I guess beyond that, going to the general, uh, general public, um, the answer is that I'm, I think that if introduced to it, what would appeal to the general public as opposed to the general public seeking it out, uh, would probably be be the uh the the beats themselves they're incredibly catchy um this is i should mention this is one musically this is kind of his most conventional solo album in a way oh god again i have to put down foreshadowing for for when we talk about his the stuff he did after um but it's it's a much more conventional album than you would probably expect from Prince Paul, who tends to do a lot of really crazy stuff with sampling, uh, really odd things. Um, and this one is more of a conventional sound. Uh, but it's still a guy who is one of the best in the world at this, and he makes an incredibly interesting, musically diverse uh, album as well. Uh, there's some, uh, there's, uh, one track that's kind of going for a smooth jazz thing, uh, on one of them. There's, uh, one track which is done with absolutely no instrumentation at all. It's just one guy beatboxing and another guy rapping, uh, as well. Um, there's a, uh, kind of a, a classic Southern Preacher gospel, uh, track in there. It's wild. Um, and I think that's something that people would like, you know, like this is not one which you have to be a fan of a particular sound to get into. There's a lot of diverse, interesting musical approaches from a from an artist who is renowned for kind of the diversity of his output. Yeah, and uh, something that occurred to me earlier, and I'm just remembering it now, which I think you'll appreciate as well. Uh, just from the description, it reminds me of Cabbage Boy. That's a hell of a pull. <laughs> yeah, uh, for for people who don't know, who may or may not be in this call as well, uh, that is the fictional band from a Brutal Legend that Eddie is initially the roadie for. Mm. <laughs> they are. Be- he-, he is much better than Cabbage Boy. I yeah, be clear. <laughs> I it's still not a bad song. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's not bad. But yeah, Look, I, I am I am glad that Prince Paul has not been obliterated by a by a fiery metal demon uh, live in concert yet. 
it's a hell of a way to go. Yeah, I mean, hey, it gets your name out there. A bit late to make use of it, though, by the time it happens. Well, no, because then everyone will want the collector's edition of the albums and no one will have any, so the people that have it will try to make some money and then it's they'll great. get it's out great. There. Oh, it's great for your label. It's a bit useless for you. Yeah, but so is life in general. Oh, <laughs> you okay? Ooh. That's 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 some dark shit you, you're going for there. <laughs> uh, no, but let's move on. <laughs> anyway, what's the next question? Scream <laughs> 2. Uh, question seven. Say that I do end up enjoying this because of your excellent recommendation. What would be your number one follow-up? Doesn't right, necessarily so... have to be a sequel or anything, but where would I turn to if I wanted more of the same? All right, so here's where I talk about what happened after. So, this album comes out. Prince, uh, Prince Among Thieves comes out. It does not do well. Summons the God of Metal. Summons the God <laughs> of Metal. Uh, no, it does not do well. And the record label, as a result, are not happy. Remember, this was his big pitch. This was his, you know, his cashing in all of his credit that he had built up. Like a, a final you know, fantasy kind of thing. No, it's not even. It's not even like final. Um, but you know, like I mean, Final Fantasy. The whole idea was, you know, well, this is my last shot at it. It's more like the. Uh, it's if you know the history of the Yakuza games, it's actually closer to that where. Um, you know, the, the guy who made them basically said, if this is a failure, I will retire, you know, kind of thing. Like he pitched big on this and it did not work commercially. He released an album straight after it called Politics of the Business. And Politics of the Business is an album where Prince Paul did the most absolutely bog standard, dull rap production he could possibly do. He did it as the most boring, conventional sound that he could possibly imagine. And it turns out he's not good at that. Um, like, this is one of those things where it's like, well, you know, people, those were albums, you know, like you, you know, you. I'm thinking stuff here like 50 Cent is probably the, the best example of the sound I'm thinking of, where... You know, 50 Cent, uh, very, very successful. And even I like, like, you know, some of his stuff. It's, it's entertaining. Uh, but it's so basic. It's so basic, the, the production under it. Um, and there is a way to do that kind of basic production in a way that is still really captivating. And Prince Paul couldn't do it. Uh, and I don't think he was trying to. To be fair, I think that he was he was bitter and he was angry and he wanted to just make something that expressed that cynicism. There is an al there is a, a track on the album. It's probably the most talked about track and just for the title called Chub Rock. Please pay Paul his two thousand two hundred dollars you owe him, which I'm sure does not have any message behind it at all. It, I don't think it has any message behind it. I think it's absolutely the message right there in the title. Uh, <laughs> he, he did say, by the way, he never got it back. Um, yeah. You know, it's... So only cowards use subtext, just use text. I think Prince Paul was too tired to use subtext at this point. He was burnt out, and you could tell. 
for what it's worth, he did release a. I have not heard this one. Um, I I need to go listen to it. Uh, he did release uh, a a thing just called the remix, which was a remix of this album in a style that is closer to what he would normally do, which I understand was generally regarded as okay. That's why we love Prince Paul, because he's taking all these chances and taking all these risks, um, which he released just for free on SoundCloud, I think it was. Um, but yeah, it, it's, a, it's a, a bitter, angry album, and I wouldn't recommend it. What I would recommend is one of two directions. Either, uh, actually, one of three directions, I guess. An obvious direction to say is, well, if you like that and you really want another rap opera, well, Hamilton is there. Um, But I actually didn't like Hamilton that much, so I'm not going to recommend that. Um, I would recommend either go right to the start of Prince Paul's career or go to the next big project he did after Prince Among Thieves. Um, Actually, that's not true. I think he had some other projects in between. But the the other project I'm aware of that I've listened to, uh, which is either go back to De La Soul. And De La Soul is fantastic. I want to stress this. Uh, De La Soul is vibrant and funny and creative. uh, And it was groundbreaking at the time. It is astonishing listening to it. Uh, if you have followed hip hop at all, to remember that this came out in the eighties, eighties, um, uh, yeah, in the late eighties, like eighty nine, um, their first album, and it sounds like something from like ten years later. It's uh, it's astonishingly forward thinking. Um, but the thing which I think I would recommend is the thing that got me into Prince Paul, which is uh, the Handsome Boy Modeling School. And these albums are just wild. Uh, There is a track on one of them called Waterworld, where the instrumentation is literally Prince Paul recording um, like uh, drops of water and then isolating the drops of water and working those into the beat of of the track so the whole thing is just dripping water um as the as the production track um there is uh, another track called the truth which is uh this smoky jazz hip-hop number uh and it's wild to listen to in the middle of this you know uh very 80s b-boy inflected hip-hop album and all of a sudden it shoots off to to smoky uh torch jazz um it's wild it's just got all these amazing different sounds and it's really really fun and i felt that even though it was only half a prince paul album this is the sound I kind of always associate most with Prince Paul. It is him experimenting wildly, having a lot of fun with what different sounds he could work into hip hop. Um, and, uh, and it's great. And it has sketches because of course it does. Um, actually it's on the second album that he gets my favorite joke he's ever told on any album, which is, uh, where is uh his you know his fear his hypothetical male model 
and you know talking about how you you know uh you need to come to the modeling school uh you know bring your beautiful face and a check for 50, uh, for 60 dollars uh etc and he just declares i swear prince paul and dan the automator they changed my life if it weren't for them i i'd still have 60 dollars <laughs> okay <laughs> And it just caught me completely off off guard that one, um, but yeah, it's they're really fun albums. Um, I particularly like "So How's Your Girl." White White People, their second album, is also really fun. Uh, if you like Prince Among Thieves, I would highly recommend those two albums as well. And you did also mention One Direction. Did I? Yes, you, there's One Direction that we can take. And then there's... Look, look yeah. I, I'm I'm not a fan of One Direction, but the stuff they've done as solo artists afterwards has actually been kind of interesting. But that's mm. another album. Scream, uh, another album, another podcast. Scream Two. Scream Two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, being that it is a kind of a narrative like medium, mm. I am, am allowed to ask this question yep. of question eight. Uh, sometimes our engagement with a piece of media comes from a position of relativity. Did you have a character that you related to? And if so, what drew you to them? Uh, so I would say that I don't think any I don't think any of the characters are characters that I super relate to personally. Um this is a this is uh not a story that I see myself in. So I think that that's fair to say. Um but at the same time it's hard not to relate in some way to to true for me, uh, and that's kind of a dark thing to admit um, because true is a very dark character. Uh, and I want to stress this: is, true is a lot worse than I am. But true is uh, what happens when you get your jealousy and your. Um, and your own insecurities and you allow them to fester. And I guess I do relate somewhat to that uh, of feeling like a failure, feeling like everything you've tried has fallen apart and becoming angry at other people because they've gotten the, the lucky bounces that you never did. Um, right down to the probably the the self, little niggling realization that you have, which is that it's probably not luck. It is probably literally that this other person had more drive and more determination than I did. Um, and I mean that's yeah, that's a dark place. But I would say if there is a character I relate to the most, it's probably true. Um, dark as it is. Wow, I mean. You know, there's no light without darkness, no darkness without light, all that. Every story needs a good villain. Every story needs a good villain. And uh, full credit to them, uh, True is a good villain. He is a good villain for this story. Hmm. Uh, Question nine. A lot of these types of interviews rely on the question of what would you bring with you to a desert island in order to get to know a person. But that's not this show. What we ask instead is to picture this scenario. 
You're on a deserted island with no hope of rescue, but food, water, shelter, and everything else has been taken care of so that you won't succumb before your natural time. You've also been provided with a single piece of media and the means to engage with it, and for you, it is a prince amongst thieves. How frequently do you utilise it, and how long would it take for you to be sick of it? Could go one of two ways. I could either be so bored that I wind up just kind of putting it on loop. Uh, and I could see that because there's a lot of really catchy stuff. I could so easily see, actually, the thing that I would probably start doing is skipping the sketches. Not because I don't enjoy the story, but because, you know, I've heard them and I want to get to the next track. Um, it's that thing, you know, you interact with music on a separate level to, to how you interact with a narrative. And sometimes you just want to, to, to hear the music and the music's good. But I would hope I would be smart enough to listen to the album as a whole, to appreciate the story, and to listen to it once a day. Don't, don't allow myself to binge it any more than that. And I think I could go a reasonable amount of time. I reckon I could go a month listening to it once a day trying to pick out new things, trying to really appreciate like how the, the tracks are constructed, uh, really just having a, a fucking blast. Uh, try, actually, what I probably do is try to see how long it took me before I could actually do Weapon World. Because <laughs> Weapon World, I'm no good at rap, but I would love to be able to pull off Weapon World. Uh, that, that would just be, that would be so much fun. Um, to be able to wrap that. Um, yeah, I think, I think about, just to, about a just month. Just to get it in, just to get it into your head. Yeah. Um, and look, this is as good a time as any, uh, to talk about, uh, the things that would probably make me sick of it because I, I did want to talk about what I don't like about this. So yeah, fair enough. He, what I don't like about it is that I feel that some of the, the worst aspects or the most discussed bad aspects of hip hop are here as well, um, which is misogyny. It's really hard to, to ignore the misogyny in this album, which is very present. Um, it has very few female characters of the female characters, it does have, I think, one. Tammy is treated, really, with any respect. Um, there is literally a, a gag about prostitutes being a dime a dozen. Um, it's It's got some very juvenile qualities to it, and most of them relating to, to how it treats women. That's rough. Um, and listening back to it, you know... Um, I don't think you get a pass on that from in 1999, you know, like I feel that at that point it's, it's still late enough that you should have kind of known, man, that feels a bit tired at this point. That feels a bit old. Um, it feels like it should have understood that the, the, the winds of change were blowing on that and that it wasn't really accepted. Uh, in the same way, but that being said, I'm I'm very white. Uh, I think I, I think uh, I've said that before in this podcast, and 
I'm not educated enough on hip hop to do kind of a comparative analysis to what else was out in 1999. Um, my feeling is that that feels a little tired and old for 1999, but maybe I'm wrong. Either way, I can say that listening back to it in 2023, yeah, you you feel it, and it, it is a yeah. bit grating. Um, there's a yeah. lot of stuff that's like that. It's like, hmm. oh boy, we've but, yeah. uh, we've come a long way, and also not. It's it's also one of those things where like. If this had been something that had come out in the early 90s, even the mid-90s, I might have had more of a sense of, eh, it was of the time, you know, Snoop Dogg was basically making that uh, half his whole personality, the other half being drugs. Um, You know, like, uh, again, that's me. I'm joking on that, by the way. I'm joking. I don't really think that's true. it was certainly something which it was it was there a lot, um, but like I said, by nineteen ninety nine, it starts to feel a bit like it's past the point where this joke was, you know, even remotely acceptable even at the time. So, it's it's a flaw with the album. I do. I did want to point it out just because if I didn't, I feel someone would bring that up as a very valid criticism of the album. Yeah. Um, And I wanted to say, yes, I completely agree. For me, it's strengths, it's creativity, it's intelligence, it's um, boldness are enough to make it worthwhile despite that. But it would be foolish to disregard the fact that it is there. Yeah, it's like you see on some of the uh, the vintage cartoons. It's like, oh, this was a product of the time. Not that it was acceptable then, and it isn't acceptable now. It's, but we acknowledge it and move on. Type of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's like when you see Roddy Piper, Rowdy Roddy Piper in blackface, and you're like, oh no. It's like, oh. <laughs> oh. My, my favorite part about that, it, like, insofar as it's something to find funny with it. Uh, is that he couldn't get normal body paint, so it stuck for a couple of days. That's actually really funny. And he, he went out to the the bar afterwards half-painted because <laughs> he couldn't get it off. Mate, he, part of me really does want to say, mate, you fucking deserve it. <laughs> you, yeah, you kind of reap what you sow on that one. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's not a, a funny thing in and of itself. But you know, finding it, finding it where you can. There is there is a definite Schadenfreude to to that. Um, so actually, tra- tying it back, what I will say is this: I think that you know, finding the silver lining on all of it is that I think that we can see with Prince Paul, at least that. I do think he moves away from that when you see the kind of comedy and the the place where he goes. Because like I said, comedy's always been a big part of his his brand. It goes to very different places uh, following this. Um, And it ends up in uh, places that I think are healthier and uh, more more amusing. So, you know, to find the silver lining, I don't think this was something that stuck. And it's kind of good to see that it was something that he decided to move away from afterwards. 
yeah, like better or worse, it's out there. But, but you know, hey, it didn't stick around at least. Exactly. Uh, but that is all the questions I had. So thank you for indulging me. No, not a problem. I'm always happy to be on the show. Uh, hopefully that's given people a little bit of a deeper insight into that perspective of yours. Uh, now, before I ruin the show by talking for myself, it's time for everyone's actual favorite part, a word from the sponsors. Thank you, sponsors. You look, you just really keep getting better at that. It's really impossible to, to you know, just deny that the the creativity on display from those, uh, you know, those sponsor reads, uh, there, there isn't, there isn't a category at the, uh, at the Grammys for ad reads. It's just such a shame. And there really should be. We're going to start that petition right now. Uh, email in to her Royal Highness, Queen Elizabeth II at buckinghampalace.com. <laughs> I, I just, it's a good. It's know. a good. It's a good plan. I was. Go- I was going to make the joke that the Grammys have already filed a restraining order. Um, <laughs> yeah, either way, we. I mean, we don't know. We don't know. Anyway, uh, scream two. No, <laughs> uh, I have a follow-up review from last episode's enemy of the show and self-proclaimed crusty juggler, Craig, and his recommendation of hot fuzz. Is this I had, something that you're familiar with? It is, and I'd forgotten that it was Hot Fuzz until you said Krusty Juggler, and I was like, oh, fuck yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I had already seen it before doing the episode, which I think probably came across. It's it's a good movie. It's I, a really great movie. Like, it, it is a touch too action-y for my tastes, but that's because it is purposely working on and parodying uh, like existing action movies and, you know, buddy cop dramas and things like that. Yeah. So, it, so it's kind of hard to avoid. Um, it, and what I love about it is that it's film language is that action movie film language, regardless of the topic on screen. Yeah. If they're doing paperwork, it's shot like an action scene. <laughs> Yeah, which is, it's also weird because it's uh, similarly shot to Shaun of the Dead, which is the the previous film in the uh, Cornetto trilogy, they end up calling it. Uh, and it felt a little bit out of place on, like, in that, but in oh. this it fits better. The, actually, and the thing is, there's the flip side to that. The thing that I do find kind of weirdly out of place in Hot Fuzz, I don't mind it, I want to stress, but it is the levels of gore in Hot Fuzz, because that's not something that you generally see in that kind of style of action film. Um, you know, the plumes of blood from, from people's heads, etc. You know, like uh, action movies often are extremely bloodless, uh, ludicrously so. Um but I think that just they really enjoy getting to play around with the blood special effects. Yeah, and it's weird because I can't recall quite as much in Shaun of the Dead, where that's kind of where you would expect it a bit more. I don't know. That scene where the guy literally gets ripped apart by zombies. I mean, yes. But... <laughs> that scene, that that is one of the most effective gore scenes I've seen in any film. Not just like, uh, not just like you know, comedy horror films, like actual full blown horror films. I'm like, holy yeah. shit, that that worked. 
Well, have you seen Johnny Depp's film debut? Uh, are we talking about Friday the 13th? Uh, no, Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, sorry. Um, Kevin Bacon, Friday the 13th, uh, although mm-hmm. I think he'd done other stuff before. Uh, yeah, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, I yeah. take it you're thinking of the bed. Yeah, exactly. He turns yeah. into a Kool-Aid fountain. Yeah. Um, and so does a journalist's head in uh, in Hot Fuzz. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Just like that. it's just that extra level of this is so over the top to be comedic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Whereas, and I think that's it. It's you're so used to the comedy in uh, Shaun of the Dead that when the guy gets ripped apart and it's played completely straight, the horror of that it really hits. It hits real well. Um, whereas, by contrast, Hot Fuzz, even when it's doing its grossest scene, it's really funny. Like, I need some ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I I, I freaking I, I died. I died a little. <laughs> yeah. Well, you you would because there's murders going on in that town. There's murders going on. Pay me enough to live there. Well, I mean, it, it does look pretty nice. It's it's uh it's won the uh, best village of uh, of the year for years running. Well, I mean, it it'd have to be good then. Have to be. There's definitely nothing shady about why. <laughs> Absolutely not. Don't even worry about it a bit. Uh, I mean, they'd probably kick podcasters out. That that's the sensible play. Anyway, scream to uh, Yeah, so I would say, look, it pressed to it, I'd give it a four out of five. And uh, I know I'm not the host. I'll say I, I reckon it's a five out of five. I think it is the best of the of the the, the Free Colors Cornetto trilogy. Myself, I I still prefer Shaun of the Dead, but it is above World's End. And yet the funny thing is, like, one of my close friends, uh, I think, would have uh, given it, uh, like, would put Hot Fuzz at the bottom and put uh, The World's End at the top. Mm. Um, You know, like, I think that's, it's just such a great trilogy. Like, across the board, it is such a great trilogy. I think you can mount defences for for any of the films as the best one. Yeah. Uh, But that's also what makes the world go around, is, like, if everyone were the same, we wouldn't be different. Gee, uh, it's almost like uh, this podcast is about exploring different uh, perspectives on media. Damn, that's weird. Wish I'd thought mm. of that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so now before we wrap up this, the final ever episode of Check This Out for this recording session and 27th time I've made that joke, uh, could you please tell the audience where they might find you online if you wish to be found and if you have anything to advertise? Uh, nothing to advertise. Uh, you can find me on uh, Mastodon. Uh, if you if you absolutely need to uh, to find my uh, my uh, thoughts, they're not very good. Uh, but I am uh, Jack Slack at Mastodon social. Um, but that's that's actually it. That's uh that's kind of the only place you can find me. But that's one more place than the last time I was on the show. Yeah, feeling better about being seen and observed. I'm just Mastodon is uh, is a bit of. I was actually already on Mastodon, uh, mm. but but uh, world events hadn't transpired that a lot of other people were, and uh, the silver lining is that Mastodon became more useful and interesting uh, as a certain other social network that will not be named uh, collapsed in a uh, spectacular fashion. Yeah, rip my space. 
Pour one out for good old Tom. <laughs> um, I also got advised that I should mention the other side of the social medias is that you can find me online at also Mastodon at shards at kind.social and uh, this podcast at uh, check this out at mastodon.art. We also have an email that you can email into and just wherever you find podcasts, hopefully you are already listening to this because otherwise I have questions. Imagine if someone wasn't, if they had just psychically suddenly realized, I know where the check this out is. Why do I know this? I mean, hey, if that's you, write in. Send us and an email. Send us the, a toot. And get on the show. We really want to learn more about you. That sounds, you, Your interests sound fascinating. Or even if you don't want to be on the show, just give me the lottery numbers. I'll, I'd settle for that. But on that note, I've been Al. And I, I, I've been Sean. And this has been Check This Out, a podcast of media positivity. And remember, people that live in glass houses are worth a bird in the hand. Mm-hmm.